Welcome into this week's edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you once again. Hello, Justin. Hello, Caleb. How are we doing? Uh, doing well. A little tired. Also, just trying to stay warm during this very, yeah, very cold, very chilly spell here in Northeast Indiana. Usually, I'm warm at work in my office, toasty. Sometimes almost too hot, but I just could not get warm today. Amazing. Yeah, it, well, you know, at least we've been above freezing for most of the day. So yeah, you know, baby I'll steps. I'll take it. Yes, but baby yeah, steps. My, my parents who are snowbirds complaining about the 50s that they're having this week <laughs> in Florida. Hey, I, I saw that there's going to be a low of like 32 in Daytona this weekend yes, for the 24th. And you know what? What happens when it drops below 40 degrees in Florida with the iguanas? Yeah. They fall from the trees. Okay, I've like heard about comatose. this. So, like, will your parents have, like, pictures or videos? I hope so. <laughs> uh, there was actually an alert, uh, and let me find it on my phone. They they uh, the state they were putting out on social media said, falling iguanas in the southern part of Florida. So, my parents are around St. Augustine, so they probably, unfortunately, won't see any falling iguanas. But they said, they slow down or become immobile when it's below 40 degrees. They may fall from the trees, but they aren't dead. So instead of falling iguanas possible this weekend, I changed the alert to falling snowbirds because I feel it still applies that they slow down or become immobile when it's below 40, and they may fall from trees, but they aren't dead. So iguanas (laughs) and snowbirds, uh, don't write them off if they're falling due to the cold coming up this week in Florida. Frigid cold for Florida. Uh, Here we've had temperatures below zero. You come for the IndyCar content, you stay for the falling iguanas. Absolutely. absolutely. Only here, folks. Only here. Only here. All right. Well, with that, we thought we'd have more news to get to, you know, after last week where it was just a ton after IndyCar content days in all caps. Um, <laughs> but here we are. And, and one major announcement, and that happens today as we record this Thursday night, January 27th, 2022. Ernie Francis Jr. will be the Driver, the number 99 Force Indy Indy Lights machine for the upcoming Indy Lights season. Officially official. Uh, Again, we expected this to happen, but good news nonetheless to to see a a very talented driver uh, take part in Indy Lights and have a legitimate shot in racing the Indy 500 in 2023. Well, you look at what uh, Francis has done over the course of his career and, you know, still just 24, but he started several years ago in Xfinity, actually got a start in Xfinity, but elsewhere, um, you know, is in SRX is the, is when I first saw him. Yep. Uh, so, but he, he's a guy that uh, kind of checks the, the, the boxes that IndyCar wants with this, um, you know, race for equality and change powered by Penske Entertainment. So it's cool to see him come in. I mean, 47 wins uh, in his career, seven championships, uh, three wins in Formula Regional Americas. Uh, I watched him win that race in SRX, ended up finishing second to Tony Stewart in the the point standings. So he feels, like you said, Caleb, a legitimate talent that could, you know, make it to IndyCar at least the 500 as soon as 2023. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the 47 wins those coming in Trans Am 7-time series champion that series. He finished second in Formula Regional Americas last season, and that was like what his first time in an open wheel car was in yeah. that series, right? And, yeah. and then 
We know him. We know his name from SRX. That's where he kind of burst onto the scene to the casual motorsports fan or for people in IndyCar who aren't, you know, going to Trans Am races or uh, you know, involved in the short track scene. I mean, that's kind of both of us there on that. But this guy is a legit talent who it feels quite, quite honestly. I mean, it feels like IndyCar got this guy away from NASCAR where you would expect him to have a more natural career path. I'm surprised that after his performance in SRX last year that an Xfinity team didn't take a flyer on him at this point. So uh, the fact that IndyCar was able to lock him in and give him a shot in lights is really exciting and, you know, adds another talent to the field. And, you know, I'll be rooting for him, much like I did Miles Rowe a year ago. Yeah, and, you know, we'll get to Miles Rowe in a second, but, you know, Ernie Francis Jr. with this program, he tested an Indy Lights car. He had a private test at IMS, and then he took part in that Chris Griffiths Memorial Test back uh, late last year. Let's see, that would have been, what, October? Late October? Yes, late October at IMS. And you look at the testing times for that, courtesy of TSOLadder.com, he was basically a half second off the pace. Again, his first like official test in an Indy Lights car. You had 14 cars, and he was 12th. But again, a half second or so, like I think it's you calculate calculate it out. Basically, six tenths off the pace. Got 96 laps in. I mean, to me, that's a solid start. He's not going to be contending for race wins right off the bat. I, I don't think anyone has that impression when you have guys like Benjamin Peterson, Kevin Simpson, Hunter McElray, uh, throw in Stingray Rob, Matthew Brabham coming back into the series and so on. I don't have the expectation that he's going to be challenging for wins, say, what, the, at St. Pete, mind you. But I think by the end of the season, this is a guy that it would not shock me if he won a race. Well, we're seeing just how quick of a learner he is. You mentioned just, you know, jumping into an open-wheel car, you know, in, in Formula Regional Americas and um, and winning races, and then jumping into an SRX car. And granted, nobody really knew how those cars were going to handle, but the fact that he jumped in and finished second in the points and won a race, I think, is very impressive. And so, you know, still just 24 years old, there's a lot of racing ahead of him, and this is what IndyCar needs. It needs to be able to capture, you know, take the the you know the equality thing out of it, but it needs to be able to capture young talent that isn't laden with cash and doesn't you know run up with no options in IndyCar or the road to Indy, and eventually goes over to NASCAR because I think they've lost a considerable amount of talent over the years for that. So being able to uh, get an Ernie, Fran- Ernie Francis Jr. in an Indy Light seat, I think, is big. And hopefully it's just the, you know, the f- first of uh, you know, several of these younger drivers that will give open-wheel racing a shot as opposed to just going tin tops. Does this feel like kind of a, a turning of the tide, so to speak, of, of IndyCar getting a guy that you just would so expect NASCAR to have and it wouldn't even be a question? Like to me, this feels like a much bigger deal, you know, for long-term health of IndyCar. If a guy like this can have success in Indy Lights, again, this this would be a legit opportunity a year or two from now that he'd be the first African American to race 
in the Indy 500 since George Mack all the way back in 2002. I mean, this seems like a really big deal, and I maybe I'm trying to oversell it, but it just it seems like a lot of momentum for IndyCar with this. I feel like if Ernie Francis can come in and deliver like some people think he can, then it becomes a big deal. But he yeah. is going to have to perform on track. And that that said, I th- you you hope against hope that Miles Rowe is still able to find um, a spot. You know, after racing in USF 2000 a year ago, and I think impressing enough to be able to get enough backing to come back, at least USF 2000. So I hope it's a trend in the right direction that drivers that otherwise wouldn't get a shot, regardless of what color or creed or sex they are, are getting a chance. And I think you can say that about Miles Rowe last year. I think you can say it about Ernie Francis Jr. this year. I think you can say it about Tatiana Calderon this year with Foyt. But all three of those drivers know that in the end, they have to produce results to stick around. Yeah, and you know we mentioned Miles Rowe. What is he up to since he's no longer with Force Indy uh, for 2022? So he actually has a GoFundMe page to race in the road to Indy. He's trying to compete in USF 2000 again. Budget, $450,000. The total raise so far just shy of $206,000 so nearly halfway there and my understanding is he's going to run as many races as he can you know with the funding that comes through but if you want to be a a part of that and donate uh, two miles row we tweeted out the link on our twitter account at IndyCar podcast earlier today for that GoFundMe page uh, if you want to give any money to help with his racing efforts and Again, he had success, Justin. I mean, he won a race in USF 2000 last year, and unfortunately it's not capitalized to another ride. And We just all assumed, I think, he'd get something, but it's been a, a tough go. Well, it still shows that you need to bring some budget. And unfortunately for Miles Rowe, he hadn't had much or doesn't have much, and he's doing crowdfunding to try to find that cash. So. You know, you you hope that a backer will come and and back Miles Rowe. That's what's going to have to happen. But at the very least, maybe he can start the season and then race and see what he can find uh, as the season goes on. So, um, yeah, you hope it works out for Miles Rowe. I hope it's just not you know for Cindy jumping uh, to a, you know to back a driver that maybe has a quicker shot to IndyCar than Miles Rowe. You hope that, you know, they can support both of them, but unfortunately it looks like it's just Ernie Francis heading into 2022. Yeah, so uh, again, I hope we can get both. Uh, That's kind of the downside of this program. For some of these people, you lose the opportunity, and that's it, because it's not like, like you said, you have to transition away from guys and gals who bring huge budgets to let people who, you know, would not otherwise have an opportunity, and that's kind of what this program is about. But also, you cut them off of that funding, and it's gone. And it's tough to find a home. And, you know, it's a sport that always has relied on a certain amount of driver funding bringing to the table. But, you know, as the overall health of the series continues to rise, you hope, and thus the the health of the teams in the series that maybe they'll have a little bit more capital or sponsorship that they can smack on a, one of these cars for these drivers and not need the f- big check coming from the drivers as much as being able to you know, hire by talent and potential 
and you know we're in a better spot than we were five six years ago but we're still not there to give you know maybe every deserving driver a chance well and we're still awaiting what Preda autosport can do for 2022 last year they partnered up with penske and we're able to get Simona de silvestro into the indy 500 field so far it's crickets i mean they're working on putting everything together but no partner team has been announced and this late in the game we'll we'll talk a little bit about indy 500 entries here in a bit but this late in the game it seems like you know they're running out of options we we expected to be a chevy team but after that you kind of wonder where that opportunity is going to come from i would agree i mean we we all know it's 35 36 is the cap so there's only a few spots left all right, so Ernie Francis Jr., again, Indy Lights next year, and we'll, we'll see. I I almost think because of the expectation I have, I wonder, like, are we putting too much pressure on someone who's still relatively new to open-wheel racing? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, you know, at times a, a steep learning curve for Ernie Francis Jr., but he's proven before that he can learn quickly. It doesn't help that uh, the first person to contact him about Indy Lights was Roger Pinsky. So when Roger Pinsky believes in you, Ooh, uh, you a lot you, of pressure. Yeah, you know that uh, one people think who are people who are important and, and can make things happen for you think you're really talented. But also, that means uh, when you get these opportunities, don't screw it up. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's it's a lot of pressure because you know not only is he racing, you know, f- for his career. But, you know, there's a certain amount of pressure on him to perform because, you know, the spotlight is going to be on him as an African-American driver. And he doesn't want to be the guy that people can use to say, well, you know, we, we started this initiative and, yeah, we gave Ernie Francis Jr. a chance. It didn't really work out, you know. So he wants to prove that the opportunity that he's been presented is worth it and other drivers you know regardless if they're you know black white or foreign or female or whatever that otherwise wouldn't get a chance deserve a chance and they can maximize the opportunity so we'll we'll see how it works out but i think he's definitely a, a guy that people have their eyes on i mean there, there's always someone for indie lights every year you know one or two drivers that i look at me i'm gonna follow this guy and hope they do well and make it to indycar i mean i think all the eyeballs are going to be on Ernie Francis Jr. It's going to be exciting to watch, and it gives us, you know, another storyline for Indy Lights. For sure, and, and you know, looking at Indy Lights now, you're looking at a grid of 15 cars. Seems pretty realistic. TJ Speed with two cars, HMD uh, with two, and then they have a partner car with uh, Peterson with H, uh, Global Racing Group. I think they could have as many as five cars. For Cindy with their car announcement. Exclusive Autosport has yet to announce their two drivers. Dreddy Autosport would think they're full with four. And then Able Motorsports has Jacob Abel as their driver. So 15 car grid. I mean, last year we saw 12 at most of the races. So uh, a market improvement, not quite the 17, 18 that we were hearing reports of with that would have included Hunkos, you know, as part of the equation, but still a healthy field. And you have some people who. You know, are, are worth following. Matthew Brabham back in the series for the first time. Ernie Francis Jr. I mentioned Benjamin Peterson earlier, and then you get uh, Kiffin Simpson moving up, Stingray Rob, as well Hunter McElray. So a lot of talent in lights. I, I feel like it's wide open once again. I feel like it's going to be a series 
to watch because you know they always talk about how you know the talent but you know it may not be deep in in numbers but you know everybody's got talent now i think we have both for sure all right well let's look at how uh you know i mentioned Pareto autosport how do things look for the Indy 500 in seats we have 31 confirmed entries and we don't have car numbers for all those for example tony Kanon and ed carpenter we don't have a car number for those entries for the 500 and those one-offs but 31 car and driver combinations set looking at the grid right now so you have whoever is the oval driver for uh the 11 car that's tatiana calderon for the road and street courses for foyt that's one where someone will will step in there whether it's just the Indy 500, then they get a different oval driver. I would expect it'd be the same oval driver for all the rounds, right? I would imagine. So that's one we're waiting on. And then Top Gun Racing, if they return with R.C. Enerson, uh, that would make 32. Marco Andretti in a fifth Andretti Autosport car would make 33, if my math is correct. Double check me on this. You know how yeah, great I good. am at math. So far, so good. Then what? A second Hunkos Hollinger car? I would think that's a pretty good bet. That's thirty-four, and then after that, it, it seems to really slim out. Now, could we see a third Meyer Shank or a fourth Ray Hall? I mean, the, like I don't think Andretti's running six again. I guess no. I think I th- I could see Shank with a third. I could see, you know, Ray Hall's a little bit different though because with three full timers. How does that change things? Yeah, you know, how inclined are they to run an extra entry right. already having three cars for the first time? And look, this is what it's going to come down to is do these teams have the money? I mean, where's the sponsorship? If the sponsorship comes in, if the money is there, they will find a driver, right? Or, you know, if they have some sponsorship and a driver brings X amount, if it adds up, they'll hire them. So I think for some of these teams, we're we're not sure. I think they're, you know... Depends on who comes with money. Depends on, you know, which sponsor steps up between now and, you know, April or so. So there's still time, and I think there's there's opportunity out there. It just may not be something that we get some answers to, you know, even before the season. Yeah, so looking at, at the seats we're predicting. So Hunkos Hollinger, I guess to me that makes sense for Peretta. I mean, I don't know if they're – I mean, they're going to have to have some sort of technical alliance, right? You know, they may not be – I mean – Hunko's Hollinger, but they may share technical but, stuff. And are we them. for sure that the returning to Penske is not a possibility? It does not sound like it from what I remember reading a few months back. I feel if Peretta Autosport doesn't find another alliance, Team Penske will step up. Just, you know, out of necessity for the program? Yes. So I think Peretta is on the on the grid, or at least in the qualifying. And again, we expect Simona De Silvestro back for that seat. Yeah. Um, then you get to uh, again. We mentioned Marco Andretti will be the fifth Andretti. The oval driver, I, I guess, to me, the leading candidate would have to be Charlie Kimball. Yeah, you have to feel like he brings some money. And you know how you know, that second entry. I mean, Rockets paying for road and street courses with that driver but are they full-time you know for the oval races let's not forget abc supply are they likely back for a 500 one-off you know how does that work out with foyt i think that's kind of the other question mark right i I mean i don't know if that rocket i i presume that that rocket 
car is fully sponsored throughout the season. They just need an oval driver. That's how I interpret it. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it was we're just sponsoring it when Tatiana's in the car. That'd be kind of weird, but yeah, I don't know. So I would go with Kimball there, and then after that, I mean, does Coin run a third? I I don't know. Does Meyer Shank even run a third? I, I, you would think Ryan Hunter A ends up you know somewhere in a Honda entry for the five hundred with one of those two teams. I mean, we're going to get there. We'll get to 35, 36. I mean, who knows who and where? I'm not sure exactly, but we'll get there. So, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Am I off base on these predictions? I don't think we see more than 35. 36 seems like a bit of a stretch considering Carlin. We we still don't have anything. I feel there's always always something that comes out unexpected between now and April or so. So I'll say 36. Okay, I'm still sticking with my 35. IndyCar Deep Throat telling me in regards to Carlin. um, Let's see here. Uh, Carlin will be back as a one-car effort this year is what it sounds like. Possibly be satellite team to someone as a possibility. They might want to hurry because it is January 27th and February 27th is green flag in St. Pete. So you might want to figure that out. I mean, if you can't get an announcement here in the next few days and at least have a test day with the driver. Yeah. It's like, what's the, I mean, I I get what the point is, but I'm saying like, you're still going to be so far behind everybody else. It's another lost season in my opinion. If they run full time. Yes. If they run, I, I, I don't think will happen just because we're still waiting right now. And, you know, they wanted an answer from Max back in November, like by December 1st. And then the fact that it's still been silent and there are no articles. Marshall teased something a few weeks ago, remember, about talking about that possible merger or satellite team, whatever it's been phrased between Hunkos and Carlin, but still nothing. There's either two things that have happened. Either A, the max money is gone, and now they're trying to find something else. Or B, Max is trying to find anything else, anywhere else, IndyCar or elsewhere, to take his money. And if he doesn't find anything, then he'll return to Carlin. Well, do you think the sponsors they had after Gallagher left were Max sponsors or Carlin Uh, team sponsors? I mean, I, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, all I know is they don't have enough money to even announce an Indy 500 effort at this point. It's true. So, so. we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed for Carlin showing up. Um, I just I don't feel confident. I've basically written it off. Yeah, no news is bad news when you're 30 days away from the start of the season. Yeah, yeah, you know. Dale Coyne, though, used to get away with announcing drivers week of well, the race. Well, drivers, not, but you knew they'd be in the field. You <laughs> True. knew the car was in. Not, True. You, don't, you have nothing on Carlin. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. You know, with, with Coyne, he, uh, he at least had confirmed entries. That if, was never a question. If I had to predict right now, I would say Carlin in a one-off with that, as that second car with Hunko's Hollinger. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. That seems very realistic. I I don't know, but that's that's where things stand with other entries. Surprise entry, I guess. Is there any inkling of something? You know, could Vassar Sullivan do 
a one-off on their own? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like there's a possibility there. You always have other interested parties sniffing around. There's always deals to be had, and I feel like that will happen. I think that could be ha- could happen. It always happens. I feel like. Oh, f- for sure. In fact, speaking of Vassar Sullivan, there was an interesting tidbit in a Racer.com article about their IMSA program. Is uh, some some backers are joining their Lexus team, uh, Sealmaster, uh, which will have the be the top sponsor for the twelve and fourteen Lexus entries, along with Mauser and Molex. Again, all sponsors they had for the IndyCar program. There is an interesting note at the end uh, from Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com. Although it remains unconfirmed, Racer understands the Vassar Sullivan outfit could maintain its presence in IndyCar with a co-entry for the Indianapolis 500 as it works toward making a return in 2023 or 24 as a standalone team with a season-long program of its own. I feel like that's a natural play, and I think you don't jump right back into the deep end all at once. You do it um, you know, methodically, step-by-step, and the first step is to have an Indy-only entry. And again, we would expect that with a Chevy team. I don't expect them to go with a Honda team. But who knows? You know, something could change. I mean, Dale Coyne, they're a Honda team. I just would think, based on speculation of Vassar Sullivan, Toyota, 2024, that Honda may not be in the cards. But then again, that's not been announced. So here we are. Very true. Yeah, here we are. (laughs) Here we are with all of that. Well, uh, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us online at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. And while you're there, sign up for our email list so you never miss an episode. Plus, we're going to do a giveaway, Justin. Yes. A copy of A Checkered Past, the uh, Al Unser Jr. book. Hey, hey. going to give away a copy of that. So to enter, if you're on the email list already, you're already entered. If you're not on the email list, go to NewTrackRecordPodcast.com and sign up for our email list, and that will be your entry into the contest, and we'll give that away, uh, let's see, yeah, next week. We'll give it away next week. So we'll give you a a full week and then give it away the following Friday, so that would be uh, February the 4th. Have you read it? I am actually reading it right now. Okay. So I'm probably about a third of the way through. Very nice. Talking about his uh, career early on in cart is where I'm at. At the moment, gotcha. and he just is moving back to the uh, Gallus team. So again, sign up for the email list. You're entered. That's all you got to do. And with that, you can find us on social media. Again, our Twitter handle is IndyCar Podcast. Facebook, like us. Just search for New Track Record. You can also send us an email, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. And you can always follow us on your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, if you follow us on there. Do us a favor and give us a five-star rating if you're really nice, write a review. And you can also follow us on Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts all for free. Okay, Justin, time for the mailbag. And we actually have a solid amount of entries for Excellent. this week. First off from R. Cole uh, saying, new podcast episode is out, so I expect some IndyCar news to be released tomorrow. <laughs> Hashtag tradition. Hashtag is it may yet. Hashtag defy everything. Hashtag a different breed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I my uh, my IndyCar app updated a couple of days ago, and I felt okay. Here we go. It's the massive uh, 
marketing push. You know, you always get that update prior to the season that's the new look, you know, slogan or marketing campaign. Now we expect it still to be Defy Everything or whatever. But uh, no, it was just updating the app with Indie Lights is what it was doing. But I know it's coming soon. Can't wait until the Defy Everything is thrown all over social media for a good <laughs> three, four days. And then disappears. Yes, and it's gone. Well, the the different breed that was pushed and then the pandemic happened and it disappeared like it never happened. Yeah. Like most of them. <laughs> that, one, that one I'll give them a pass, though. I mean, I mentioned it before. As much as we, you know, dog it, I Am Indy has had staying power. <laughs> None of the rest of them have had staying power. I Am Indy is iconic. Yes. I, I mean, you could say if it's iconic or iconically bad, but <laughs> it, we still throw it around. That's true. It I mean, it, it's it, been, what, 15, 16, 17 years? And yeah. I it mean, is still at the forefront of IndyCar fans' thoughts when it comes to marketing the sport. I guess you'd rather be bad than forgotten, and I am Indy is bad, but not forgotten. Never, never will be forgotten. I am Indy. This from Poet Shevchenko. Uh, like everyone else, I am happy Ernie Francis Jr. is going to Indy Lights full season this year. Some people... Um, though think he should be going directly to IndyCar and that Lights is wasting his talent. Is that opinion accurate? Is it selling Lights short? I don't think he's ready for IndyCar. I'll, I'll just no, be No, I agree. I, I don't think you go from Formula Americas. Regional Americas, and yes, he won, what, three races, finished second in points, but that'd be like racing, what, is that, that'd be... Like Indy Pro 2000, essentially, right? Maybe a little bigger than that, and then uh, you're nowhere close to ready for IndyCar after racing that series. You're ready for lights, I would say. That's a very, very solid step, and makes sense. But IndyCar, no, I, I don't think so. Yeah, and look, he needs to prove himself before he's getting an IndyCar seat. It's just plain and simple. Yeah, and. With that, you need seat time, and this will give him more seat time in an open-wheel car and prepare him you know, before a potential Indy 500 run as soon as 2024. Absolutely. Or, or sorry, 2023. 2023. Yes. Yeah, correct myself. Pelot Shevchenko also says, my opinion is that with 16 to 17 expected entrance, longer form races, and I think sharing the paddock with IndyCar, yeah, that's supposed to happen, be the best IndyCar prep that drivers have had in decades. I think the field of lights... Again, we've never questioned the talent level. Usually that's not been an issue. It's just the fields have been so small that it's kind of hard to tell how drivers adapt. But like you said earlier, we don't have to worry about that concern anymore. No, and I feel like bigger fields will also give us a better idea of who is good and who isn't. I mean, it's very tough with eight cars, nine cars, and a crash takes out half of them, and you got four or five, six guys driving around. Some of them are just lucky to stay out of trouble, right? But I think over the course of you know what will be a shorter season, but also more part of the IndyCar weekends, I think you're going to have these drivers the ability to showcase just how good they can be. And, you know, naturally we've reached a point, Caleb, where at least two of these drivers are probably going to be full-time drivers in 2023 that kind of just how it works yeah i mean we got several guys stepping up you have kirkwood you have malucas um de francesco de francesco yeah it's it's a 
pretty robust rookie class. Then you throw in guys who have F2 experience in Eilat and Lungard, and and then Calderon coming from uh, Super Formula in Japan. I mean, it was kind of different last year. It was just all, you know, Ryan Norman got a start, um, but he was kind of the only one in 2021. But, you know, before that, Dalton Kellett, uh, Oliver Askew, um, you know, VK. So every year, by and large, you're you're going to have probably two guys so or girls. So, you know, two of this field of, of 2022 drivers in Indy Lights – you know, we're going to see full time in 2023. Well, let's not forget, there's no Indy Lights season in 2020. So I think that's why true. we didn't see, that's true. see yeah. guys move up. Good point. <laughs> it's it's easy to forget that. This from SRT Nick 12. I'm happy Ernie is getting the opportunity, but hate that it's coming at the expense of Miles Row. It's clear that Roger only cares about just getting an African American into IndyCar, not actual development. Uh, it's. I mean, it, I, looks, I it, it, it looks like that. Yeah. But I don't think that's, I don't know. I don't believe that's the intention, but I understand where you're coming from. I would agree. With this comment, because yes, like they basically left Miles Rowe, where all the talk was, oh, that they, they think they'll get him a ride and he's able to take part in the Chris Griffiths test and everything. But here we are, and he's short of even raising half the funding necessary for a full-time seat next year, or this year. I would agree. So... Yeah, I, th- I think it's um, on the outside. The perception isn't good. I-, I find it hard to believe it was handled as badly as it could be perceived on the outside. And this from R. Cole. Unfortunately for Miles, Ernie probably has sponsors who are willing to spend more money. I I don't even know if I buy that. Honestly, I agree. I mean, if he had sponsors, he would have been in a higher racing series years ago. I would definitely <laughs> agree. Yes. All right, this from IndyCar Prop, which is IndyCar Propaganda. Which uh, yeah. <laughs> This is fun. We're going to have some fun here. So discuss this on the show and explain why for your selections. Uh, did you see this, Justin? Uh, I did not. Okay, so you have $15 to build a four-car IndyCar team. So in the $5 category, you have Polo, Dixon, Herta, Pato, and Newgarden. Are you writing so, these down? No, I am not. Um, <laughs> you may let want me to. find it or pull it up. What's the uh, IndyCar prop? Is the handle IndyCar prop? And then okay. the four dollar region, you have Grosjean, Rossi, VK, Ericsson, Will Power. So I have fifteen bucks, and I have to yeah. pick one from each tier. Not necessarily, no. Oh, okay. So I can pick anybody I want. Yeah. Okay. And then the three dollar tier: Ray Hall, McLaughlin, Harvey, Elio, Pagano. The two dollar. Lungard, Connor Daly, David Malukas, Kyle Kirkwood, Takuma Sato. And then $1 you have Ilot, DeFrancesco, Jimmy Johnson, uh, Felix Rosenquist, and Juan Pablo Montoya. All right. So, four car any car team, $15. Okay. Am I going first or are you going first? Um, y- You can go first. All right then. 15 bucks. Uh, I am going with Pato Award for five bucks. Okay, I'm going to go with Herda. Okay, <laughs> similar, so similar thinking. So we're both there. at five. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have three picks left and ten dollars left. I am going to go. Hmm. Where do I want to go here? For four dollars, I'm going Will Power. I'm going to go uh, 
cheaper and go uh, Pagano for three dollars. Yeah, I was looking at that too. Um, okay, so I have six dollars left for two drivers. Um, I'm gonna grab Marcus Erickson for four dollars. I'm gonna go with Kirkwood for two dollars. So I am at let's see, that's ten for me. So five, nine. I say Kirkwood, 13. right? Yeah, Kirkwood. Yeah, so I have two bucks left. Um, I th- think I'm gonna go to Kumasato for two bucks. And then, so I have five left. I'm gonna go with. Oh man, this is tough. You gotta take Scott Dixon, right? Right, uh, Dixon or Pillow. I gotta go with Dixon. You know, you want to have two veterans and then like a young guy plus hurt. So. I have Dixon, Herta, Pagano, and Kirkwood. Okay. I have Pato, Power, Erickson, Sato. All right. So we, we kind of have like mix of old and young, now, which I think so is the point. Should we write these down and see those are our four drivers throughout the 2022 season and see who finishes with most total points? Or wins. I, I like it. Because put it in your uh your your guide for your split air driver. Of the okay, week. <laughs> let me put it in my phone here. So we had Caleb's drivers. Herda, Pagano, Kirkwood, and Dixon. Herda, Simon, Kirkwood, Dixon. My drivers are Pato, Power, Erickson, and Sato. Okay. We'll, we'll see how we do. We'll see this how we will, do both in wins and in points. Can't wait. I, I, Sato, I think, will probably perform better than Kirkwood. Just, you know, well, based on the, the value number and experience. And that's what you're looking at. I mean, Kirkwood with almost any other team, I think, would have the advantage. But Kirkwood yeah. with Foyt, yeah. I'm thinking long-term for, for my team. So I get a guy who will be there for probably two, three years. And then Kirkwood, who I expect to be, you know, you're looking at, what, 15 years. And then Herta at least another 10, 15 years. So you kind of get a balance of guys who can win right away and then guys who can start winning, you know, in a year or two. I'm going for wins now. Yeah. You're you're like the uh the Rams of IndyCar yeah. team building. I'm gonna use up Pato all he has left for IndyCar before he goes to Formula One. So that is uh it for the mailbag, but as always you can uh, tweet us, email us, Facebook message us, snail mail us. Um you know, people have sent us stuff in the mail. They have. Like Rich Energy. That was fun. Yes. That was a fun time. I've not seen it. Uh, oh, no, I did see it one other time at like a discount store in Fort Wayne, but outside of that, I've not seen it since. Yeah. I, it's the enigma of uh, <laughs> of drinks out there, energy drinks. All right. Time to get to uh, news and notes and a couple of high V related things. First off, tickets are on sale now for the high V IndyCar weekend at Iowa Speedway. Uh, IndyCar at Iowa is the Twitter handle. 
and that's where you can get the, the info. I know they had a pre-sale, and I think the pre-sale actually did quite well. So good. We'll, we'll see. Now, something is interesting that Marshall Pruitt bought up, uh, brought up in the racer mailbag. Someone was kind of complaining about the ticket prices, but apparently they're going to announce some concerts and other entertainment options. I mean, as part of the weekend. So we'll They're see. making it try to sound like, remember, you know, when they went back to Milwaukee and they tried to make it, you know, the IndyCar Festival thing and, mm-hmm. you know, didn't I went. really work. Uh, I went. They, I, I missed seeing, oh, who was it? I want to say Smash Mouth. Yeah. Oh. Like in concert. It was one of those bands that was popular late 90s, early 2000s. So we could see like Green Day, <laughs> what you're saying? I mean, I don't even hate Green Day. I'd go. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know, you know, who they're referencing, but that is kind of the the possibility. Okay, so that's IndyCar Iowa. Speaking of Hy-V, they're going to open a sh- a shop, wow, a store in the Indianapolis area in Zionsville. Saw that. So that is exciting. Their expansion into the Midwest, we knew that was going to happen, but the announcement I think came probably a little quicker than than I even would have expected. So that's the latest on High V again, the sponsor of the IndyCar Weekend. Um, let's see, so keeping it with uh, High V and, and Team Rahal. Graham Rahal telling Motorsport.com he expects to take over as one of the owners of the team in the future with Pat Lanigan. Um, article there on uh, Motorsport.com again, not a surprise. I think we all expect this to happen sooner or later. And let's see, Scott McLaughlin back in the Pennzoil yellow submarine for the Indy 500. Great-looking car. Surprised Very at how so. quiet he was in last year's race. I mean, I, he's a rookie. But sure. It, it uh, you know, I thought Penske would play more of a role. I feel he will be a bigger impact this year. Yes. Oh, I think overall in the season, I think he'll have a, a really, really strong season. Definitely. In year two. All right, um, let's see. We mentioned it in Florida coming up this weekend, the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Been rainy so far, and yeah. it's going to be cold. I thought I saw a high on Saturday, 44. Yeah, it's it's wild. But the, the schedule Dodge those for, for TV, which I'll, I'll catch bits and pieces, but TV coverage on NBC, 130 to 230 Eastern. On Saturday, it'll be Peacock only, 2.30 to 4. 4 to 7 on USA Network, 7 to 10 on Peacock. Uh, it says 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on USA Network. I think that is meant to say 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. on USA Network. Then 3 to 6 a.m. Sunday on Peacock, 6 to noon on Sunday, USA Network, and then noon to 2 back on NBC. I'll catch bits and pieces. Uh, you know, I, I don't sit down and watch the whole thing, mind you. I Agreed. know some people will like record it and then go back and piece it together. Um, but I'll, I'll watch some of it. There's a lot of intrigue. Again, Robert Wickens participating in, in a race on Friday um, with Brian Herta Autosport and, and that program as he's back. And then for IndyCar, uh, a dozen drivers participating. You have Jimmy Johnson, Elio Castroneves, Simon Pagano, Alexander Rossi, Scott Dixon, Alex Pillow, Marcus Erickson, all in the DPI category. Then Renus VK, Pato Award, Colton Herta, Devlin DiFrancesco, 
in LMP2, and then Kyle Kirkwood in GTD Pro all participating this weekend. So a lot of drivers participating, and I guess it's enough to get me it, – it's a nice – Wedding of the appetite, right? I mean, that's that's what this weekend is about for race fans. Well, you get this, and then you get the uh, uh, clash next week, right? Yeah. And then it's the Super Bowl weekend, so nothing. And then Daytona the week after that. And then the week after that is IndyCar. Well, two weeks, right, after Daytona? Or no, no, no you're right. Week. It is the week, week after because the Super Bowl is a week later than normal now. Correct. So, yeah, we're we're right around the corner on the cusp of – a lot, a lot of racing, and it's exciting. And speaking of, you know, I mentioned a lot of coverage on Peacock. Saw this today from Awful Announcing, a uh, sports blog. Peacock has hit 9 million paid subscribers, so that's our first update as to where they're at. Now, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> I have no clue. For, for what? Paid. The NBCSN? Or uh, the no, NBC? no, no, for Peacock. Peacock, 9 yeah. million? yeah. Now, the entire streaming service. Now, here's here's the catch. So they reveal that subscriber count on an earnings call this week. So that's the first kind of known quantified amount. However, they do say they have another 7 million highly engaged bundle subscribers from Xfinity and other top distributors who use Peacock every single month and currently receive Peacock Premium. At It says and, but I think it's meant to say in at no extra cost. So, again, if you, like, have Xfinity or whatever, like, you get Peacock bundled as part of it, is my understanding. Uh, This is from Screen Rant, top 12 most popular streaming services from November. Um, Let's go here. Uh, Let's see. ESPN Plus is at 14.9 million. Apple TV, 19 million. Hulu, 42 million. HBO Max, $45 million. That's surprising. It says Peacock has $54 million, but that may be factoring in what you were talking about. Well, those numbers didn't even approach that many, but think about it. I mean, a lot of people, that's probably including people who have like an Xfinity account who get it automatically. True, 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 true. Uh, top two, Amazon Prime at $175 million, and then Netflix atop at $213.5 million. So Wow. That's that's even more, but that's that's globally, right? Correct. Uh, this is globally. Well, I would think so. Uh, yes, global. Okay. So I, again, I don't know if the numbers are good or bad for Peacock. Obviously, they want to grow, and having the Winter Olympics coming up here in theory, I mean, will that help. didn't help them last time. But though, yeah, did it, it didn't help them last summer. If you know. Non-pandemic, you know, if we were in precedented instead of unprecedented times, (laughs) I think Peacock would have taken off with the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, but things did not work out that way, and that's what they were betting on. And if these Olympics can maybe increase subscribers, and I know it helped last summer, but not to the level I think they were projecting. You want to know my theory on streaming and live sports uh, and streaming sports? I feel like... Live sports is on stream only is not going to drive the amount of traffic to the streaming services that they're looking for, at least long term. I feel a streaming service needs original content, original programming. Yeah. That's how you build your base. That's how you build your subscriber base. And then, and only then, 
can you then dabble in putting on live sporting events, I feel, at least to see the amount of people that will go to your streaming service to watch those. Um, I think you look at, you know, Amazon Prime pushing for, did they get the NFL Thursday contract? Thursday night football? I, yes, I think so, starting next year. And, you know, they're trying to pull either Al Michaels or Troy Aikman, and I think there was someone else in the mix to be part of the broadcast team. I mean, they're sitting at 175 million subscribers. So they're at a point where they're like, okay, there's going to be enough subscribers to watch, A, but then, you know, we can draw some others in. But Amazon Prime has a pretty solid amount of original programming. Uh, which I think is the basis for that. Plus, obviously, the benefits on Amazon itself having Prime. Um, I just don't think Peacock is there with its original programming, to be honest. I think they're yet. getting there, but I think the other problem is their new shows, I mean, only have one season. You know, they're right. Peacock only. And then until they release that second season, I mean, it's, you know, that's got to be the draw. And and for me, the the draw to resubscribe and re-up with peacock early was that i started watching yellowstone so <laughs> is that what you're watching it on see i haven't yeah. re-upped on peacock and quite frankly the only thing i really watch on peacock is the new say by the bell series which i can watch the first season without getting the subscription mm-hmm. and also um lost speedways yeah. which i can watch so i mean there's just no content original content that I want to watch on Peacock right now that's going to make me. Even Apple TV has brought me in with some things that they have, original programming-wise. So, I mean, I'm not even a Ted Lasso guy, but obviously that's a big driver for a lot oh, of yeah. people. Oh, yeah, huge driver. On Apple TV, but I like the original series Invasion. I uh, Tom Hanks's World War II movie that's on there that I haven't watched yet. Oh, I need to watch that. Um, but, you know, that's what... And, and like, I watch live sports, right? But what's going to push me to these streaming services... For to have it annually, to have it twelve months out of the year, is going to be the original content. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, I will watch sports. The other stuff is a bonus if I, you know, get into it. You know, I only had Peacock to watch IndyCar practice, qualifying, and races. Yeah, I mean, and that I was will, it. Now I stumbled I will, across some other shows, right. that were on there that have made me want to keep it, or well, I guess re up early before the IndyCar season started. And, and give them, you know, I gave them December and January. You know, I did not give them October or November. But, you know, I, I stepped up earlier than normal because of some of the content on there that I wanted to watch. And that's, like you said, that's what's going to get people to stick around. Is uh, And you're saying Yellowstone is worth the uh, subscription? Yeah. I mean, it's five bucks a month. It's not like Peacock yeah. is expensive. <laughs> yeah. I will get it, you know end of next month for IndyCar season and what keeps me going after that after the season ends I don't know we'll see yeah I think that's that's the question right I mean that's the question all these streaming services have if you are trying to attract sports fans which to be fair I would say sports fans are a very small piece of the pie for these streaming platforms I would agree I, I think you know going back to my initial point is in order to put some widely watched live sports on your stream you have to have a considerable base of subscribers already I don't think that can be the driver to your streaming service 
the uh, you know the exception of course being ESPN Plus, right? But yeah. even then, it's sitting at fifteen million. Well, it's not really bringing you, in that much. You can't watch like the ESPN channels live with it, so why get it? Right. Well, and it's it's bundled. So if you get Disney yeah. Plus, you usually, as long as you're getting the bundle, which is easy to find the deal, you're getting Hulu and ESPN Plus free. And I rarely have ESPN Plus. I like I rarely use it. I don't have it. You know, if I could watch ESPN and ESPN2 and ESPNU, et cetera, live, you know, through that, yeah, of course I would get it and drop my YouTube TV, but I can't do that. So that's where we're at. Yeah, I feel I, I get it because of my Disney Plus subscription. Otherwise, I wouldn't get it. Speaking of streaming, we're just going to continue the conversation. All right. Guess uh, who has an F or wow F one? Guess who has uh, a, a series on Netflix that's coming up? Uh, we mentioned golf, right? Yeah, golf, tennis. Guess who's next? Uh, I'll say boxing. No, Bubba Wallace. Oh, a new Bubba Wallace docu series on Netflix called Race Bubba Wallace. On February 22nd is when it will be released. Six 45-minute episodes. So another uh, sport with uh, a feature on Netflix ahead of IndyCar. You know? <laughs> what are you going to do? That's that's very true. We we just wait. Patiently waiting. And, yeah. and, and speaking of, speaking of uh, Netflix, F1, this is from Adam Stern, F1 and entities in Las Vegas are advancing closer to a deal to bring a night race to the Strip. Per sources, an official announcement could be made in the first half of this year. F1 wants to run the race as soon as next year, though any delays could delay it till 2024. I feel like we we talked about this earlier. You know, the the oversaturation of Formula One in the United States is going to come very very quickly. Yeah, and any more than three races, I mean, three races may even be. Well, I no, I said any more than two, and now here we are at three. And I think in terms of long term, I don't think it's sustainable for three. I would agree. This seems like a a cash grab while F one is hot, and then things will dwindle back down. I, I, I feel like even if it's largely successful, an annual race on the Strip for the next 20 years is not viable. Oh, I could yeah. see them almost being a every other year or, every, you know, maybe you rotate, you know, Miami and Vegas and Coda and there's only two of those happen each year or something like that. Which was discussed, you know, with Coda. Pretty recently. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. I, I think that could work. I don't think you can yearly, annually have three U.S. races. No, I, I just think that's, like you said, oversaturation of the market. Now, speaking of F1, Roman Grosjean tweeted out he got his first taste in the Mercedes F1 car, uh, but it is a video on iRacing, so <laughs> <laughs> not not quite the real deal. No. Not, not quite the real deal. Marshall Pruitt tweeting out to... IndyCar and the manufacturers are preparing for their first track test of 2023 spec engines. Key thing here is that they have a target of March for that. Didn't say the track, but aim of delivering 800 horsepower from the outset for the engines, and then the energy recovery systems would add 100 horsepower through a driver-controlled push-to-pass button. That's right around the time of that article where I began to not understand. Yes. So that those are the key takeaways. <laughs> and we'll yes. leave it at that.
Um, let's see. A couple other notes. Um, this Indy 44 found, but James Hinchcliffe could potentially be on Celebrity Big Brother Season 3 cast. Really? It was one of the one of the possibilities, which is uh, fascinating. Okay. Speaking of, uh, speaking of Canadians, congrats to Robert Wickens. Yes. As he and his wife Carly announced through IVF, they'll have a baby in July. So they're expecting congratulations to both of them. Very exciting. And again, Robert Wickens racing this weekend as a part of the, what is it, the pilot challenge, right? Uh-huh. And that race is Friday. All I right. Think Friday afternoon. So he'll be participating in the TCR class with Brian Herta Autosport. So congrats uh, on his on his return to the track as well. It's pretty exciting. Katie Kyle also uh, announcing that she will not be a part of the broadcast team this year stepping away she's got a kid to race yeah and she'll be able to just go to the track and she said cheer on her husband and Aaron mclaren sp again taylor kyle always had to be pretty weird i'm sure is you know your husband works for a particular team you're supposed to be unbiased yeah not necessarily easy definitely not and then uh, some sad news we learned of the death of vince granatelli earlier this week now i He's a little before my time. Do you really recall no. anything about him? Okay. I do not, unfortunately. I know Ari Leindyke Jr. I think raced under him at one point in the early 90s, but uh, another another loss in the IndyCar community. And then finally, one other note to get to before your Split Era Driver of the Week, and we'll wrap it up after that. Congrats to IndyCar Radio. They have earned the first place award in the live event radio broadcast category at the National Motorsports Press Association uh, Awards recently um, for the Indy 500 broadcast last May. Excellent. Congratulations. Yes. Very cool. Very exciting. And with that, Justin, we're ready for your split air driver. Ready for me? All right. Do you remember Felipe Giafoni? I do. Okay. Well, actually, he had a cousin that raced... In the Indy Racing League. Really? Afonso Giafoni. The name sort of rings a bell. Afonso I'm not entirely sure. Giafoni raced as part of the 96-97 season, you know, that weird, funky season that started in August and went into the next year, and the final race was at Vegas the following October. Remember that? Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> um, Afonso Giafoni appeared in seven races that season. Actually finished fourth at Charlotte. He raced with Chitwood Motorsports. And actually, as part of the 96-97 season, he, he competed for seven races in Chitwood Motorsports. One with Team Scandia, the second race of the season at Vegas. Uh, he finished 10th. Did not qualify at the inaugural IRL race at Walt Disney World. Did not qualify. I didn't even know they even sent anybody home. Uh, no, no. That's 98. 98, he I'm sorry. He didn't participate yep, right. in the 96. That's and right. Speaking of Walt Disney World, um, the that race happened. like It was like the anniversary of that race was earlier this week because it was like in late January. Yeah, that's right. So it was what, the 26th anniversary or, or whatever, the first one? I feel like it's one of those events that, like, as time goes on, more and more people say that they were there. 
<laughs> you know, yes. that, oh, that they witnessed the Walt Disney World race. I just feel like it's something like that. But uh, yeah, Afonso Giafoni um, from Sao Paulo, Brazil, born in uh, 1968. So Felipe Giafoni was his cousin. His cousin-in-law is Rubens Barrichello. Rubens Barrichello, yeah. Yes. He's a pretty accomplished yeah. F1 driver. And uh, his father, Afonso Giafoni Filho, was also a racing driver. Uh, Afonso Giafoni raced in the IRL season 96-98, eight career starts, including the 97 Indianapolis 500, finished 32nd in the 97 Indianapolis 500. Best career finish was a fourth at Charlotte, 1997. He raced, actually, in the Indy Lights Championship and finished third behind Greg Moore and Robbie Buell in 1995. So, Blast from the past there, both those names. Yeah, race for Brian Stewart Racing in Indy Lights in 1995. Finished third in the season, but never did win. Had four second places. Nazareth, Milwaukee, Portland, and Laguna Seca. All runner-up finishes for Afonso Giafoni. He was the 1991 Formula 3 Suda Americana champion with five victories, which uh, is basically uh, races F3 in Brazil and Argentina. Okay, so kind of like a yeah, like kind of like a South America a regional yes series. regional F three. So and let's not forget. So he finished thirty second at Indy in ninety seven, but that does not mean he was second to last. Correct. He was thirty second out of thirty five. Yeah, he was involved in a crash. So <laughs> he was so, pointing that out as well. Uh, had two three career top tens. The the Vegas race in ninety six with Team Scandia, and then a ninth. At Pikes Peak International Raceway, and then the career best fourth at Charlotte. So, I mean, you know, to be able to go into Charlotte in 1997 with 23 starters and finish, you know, fourth, not too bad. Now, how many drivers, Caleb, in that 1997 Vision Air 500 at Charlotte? Of the 23 drivers, how many ended the race on the lead lap? Oh, my. I'm going to guess, like, four? Uh, Two. What? Buddy Lazier <laughs> won the race. He won over Billy Boat by 3.3 seconds. Third place was Scott Goodyear, a lap down. Everybody else was two or more laps down. And your favorite, Dr. Jack Miller. Yes. Finished last with an electrical issue. The racing dentist. Yes. Driver the Crest car. Yes. He um, finished only 13 laps in that race. But, uh, man, this is a, a murderer's row of IndyCar drivers starting this race. And by murderer's row, I mean <laughs> not. <laughs> but, um, you know, Sam Schmidt, actually, a rookie that year, finished 18th in that race. But um, there were uh, actually 13 lead changes among six drivers, despite only two drivers finishing on the lead lap. Anytime people are like, we need to go back to having multiple chassis and, you know, four engine manufacturers and tire wars, no. and then you look at the box scores of these races, and you're reminded why that would probably not be a good idea in today's world. Absolutely not. So... Uh, yeah, that's it on Afonso Giafoni, uh, still with us, and uh, a lineage of drivers with Felipe Giafoni, his cousin, Rubens Barrichello, his cousin-in-law, 
and his father also was a racing driver. So this week's random split era driver of the week, Afonso Giafoni. Familiar last name, unfamiliar first name. This week's split air driver of the week. Well, with that, thanks for joining us on another episode of New Track Record Podcast. We'll be back next week as we will officially be in race month for the NTT IndyCar Series in in next week's episode release. So we're closing in on the start of the 2022 season, and we hope you join us next week for another edition of New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.